0: The digital global age has pushed the traditional boundaries of each and every enterprise across each and every nation, its government, industries, organizations and academia. Uh, which is called NGIOA as the emerging borderless world redefines the very parameters and parameters of an enterprise managing the undefined and undocumented borders and securing them in an increasingly borderless world has become a complex challenge. Building, managing and securing any enterprise in a borderless world is complex as it requires not only understanding of a world That has irregular, that has triangular linkages between geospace, cyberspace, and space, but also has dotted and solid line reporting relationships between an enterprise and an NGIOA. When any single enterprise across any NGIOA tries to secure its undefined and porous borders amidst dotted and solid relationships, the intended, unintended, and perverse consequences are creating a challenge in defining, building, managing, and maintaining a stable and sustainable enterprise security system. The focus here on an enterprise security system is to emphasize that it is the enterprise, its ideas, initiatives, relationships, and activities that are to be secured in the digital global age And that the security of data, computers, and networks is only a means to the end. To to discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Brian Bobo. Brian is Vice President Enterprise Security at Snyder National. Welcome, Brian. We're delighted to have you on Risk Groundup.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Brian, uh, to begin with, let's talk about enterprises today as it exists in a digital uh, in a borderless digital global economy they, they as we as i said in the intro that they they have a solid and dotted line internal and external relationships emerges that how do we define an enterprise
1: what i define an enterprise
0: mm-hmm.
1: i would say that um the the way i would define an um, enterprise in Private industry um, would be really, you know, it's a really interesting question. <laughs> so I would say that Schneider has to do with um, our business, obviously, where we do business, but it also has to, it deals with our customers, their associates that work with us, the um, governments that we interact with, um, and really, you know, I think um, you mentioned it earlier, it's just there's this the ecosystem of interactions that all um, work um, you know even when you think about things like commodities and commodities market and how that impacts our fuel prices um, and just the the economy in general and all that works together Um, so when you think about that in terms of the enterprise there's the well-defined pieces of it that you can look at in terms of our location or the technology we use or or orange trucks that you see driving around um, but then there's all this, these other pieces of it that um, really work uh, and are within the interests of Snyder, which as a corporation, which are similar to state actors and interests they deal with and how they deal with their environment. Yes, yes. I mean, I, you're right. Uh, and like you
0: said, you know, the enterprise now is across nations and it's not located in one particular location. The geographic location doesn't define what's in the enterprise anymore. Enterprise is defined by data security and by its relationships, both internal as well as external, across NGI. That means across with the governments, with other industries, within the industry, with other businesses and uh, academia and organizations and you know uh, many different vendors suppliers so how are traditional businesses adopting to the change in nature of an enterprise because the enterprise you know in a digital global age is entirely different than what it used to be in geospace where it was located only in a uh, in a uh, geospace and you know in a particular location with no internal external uh, relationships or linkages so How are enterprises in your viewpoint adapting to this new reality of the digital global age?
1: Well, I think um, the biggest way is the way you define risk as an enterprise. And you look at um, risk, and and risk sounds negative, but it's not always negative. Um, It's just really all the different factors that impact your business. And I think what um, you're seeing is that there's a lot more concern around legal and Governance in terms of uh, regulations and those kind of things. Um, uh, It's always been there But it it feels like that continues to grow and be a bigger concern um, every year and then when we look at um, the Security space, you know it used to be that you really worried about making sure your facilities were locked up and people weren't um, You know stealing uh, things and now it's really morphed into information being much more valuable than it used to be and really, even there, um, not very long ago, you really focused on protecting your own information. And everybody kind of thought about information in terms of um, you know, Schneider's information and what information is really important to Schneider. What do I need to protect in terms of Schneider's information? Well, now, I really need to think about it in terms of everybody's information that I touch in some way or another. And so our customer's information is extremely important. Our associate's information is extremely important even our vendors. And so we look at this um, much different, I think, than we used to. And we also um, have to go past the idea of, and this is where it's similar in the physical security area. There's only so many things you can do to keep people from stealing a truck, for instance. And so we do things to discourage that, but sooner or later, uh, somebody's determined they'll probably be able to steal one of our vehicles. Um, We try to minimize that risk as much as possible. in the information side of things, many people think they can protect everything Um, and they don't take a step back and say "Well, what's really really important and where do I need to focus my limited resources Um, and then accept a little more risk in other areas where their information is maybe not very important
0: yes yes I hear you I mean what was interesting about your experience and uh, your current role is that you are not only in charge of information security but you are also in charge of uh, physical security So there is a very good integration that is uh, a part of your responsibility that, you know, you are looking at the security overall, not just information security, a piece of that, or not just, you know, uh, physical security. So that is uh, very welcoming. And uh, let me ask you this, in a digital global age, there is nothing more asymmetrical, more disruptive, more revolutionary, or more innovative than the world-changing power of an idea. As the breadth of impact of not only today's rapid change, but also coming tomorrow's change is affected by new ideas and new threats, it's important to understand not only how an idea flows in a complex, borderless world, but also how a threat flows. How does an idea or a threat flow in the digital global age? Your thoughts, based on your experience in the work that you're doing.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing, that mm-hmm. is exciting about ideas in the current age, and it. But it is related to security, but we wouldn't have had that opportunity. And so, when you look at ideas, you can now share ideas with huge audiences that in the past may not have heard it or. If they did hear it it would be because you happened to publish it in a trade magazine and they read the magazine or um, so ideas today can spread so much faster and then um, with that you get if you have an idea and you share it you get a lot more input from other people you can test the idea you can ask for opinions you can um, do things much more broadly than in the past and much quicker and so I think when I when I look at ideas what's exciting is is that because society has become so collaborative across you know, broad spaces and um, broad perspectives that ideas are, um, not only are you able to share them, but you're able to grow them and develop them much quick more quickly than you could in the past.
0: That, that's very true. So in your ex, uh, experience, how does a threat, let's say for example, your organization, your enterprise, how does a threat, you know, information flow? Uh, in, uh, uh, in in an organization, how what have you experienced?
1: Um, so uh, you know, obviously, we use you know, email and all the and the collaborative tools that are now um, available to everybody. And you know, to me, Link or used to be Microsoft Communicator is interesting. Is now people are, are using email less and they're you know IMing or texting effectively. Uh, a lot more as people just become um, more in and connected to technology than they've ever been. Um, you know, the advent of the smartphone changes the way people communicate where we don't, I don't know if a lot of people even know that their phone is, can be used for telephone calls anymore because it's used for everything else. And so people are starting to work that way. Um, so we're leveraging a lot of that. We're trying to really evaluate um, social um, tools and how do we leverage social tools within our corporate environment to help ideas spread more quickly and um, you know, really leverage the knowledge of the entire organization. Um, and beyond that, you know, until we figure figured that out, um, you know, we do a lot of, of things where um, we purposely bring groups together and, and those groups are issued challenges to say, here's something we're trying to figure out, you guys come back with a solution. And then maybe another group has the opposite problem um, or the problem from a different perspective and the two groups will kind of come up with an idea and then um, they'll present both of them and and a lot of times the two morph into whatever the solution is. So there's a lot of exciting things we do that way. And then obviously we're leveraging things like the video teleconference and so forth to do that because we want to leverage our entire um, company across um, all of our locations and not just at headquarters.
0: So a lot more collaborative approach that you are having right now. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, so Brian, an enterprise security encompasses an entire enterprise, the people, the processes, the technology, information, investment, ideas, the borders, the relationships and more. And is the most pressing need across every enterprise across nations. What are the challenges facing enterprise security? in a borderless digital global age amidst complex internal and external relationships as we talked before that you, you have relationships with so many dotted and solid relationships with so many suppliers so many vendors across ngioa so what are the challenges broadly that any enterprise including yours face right now
1: well i think the biggest challenge is that um there needs to be a shift in perspective on- how people think about security and so a lot of my IT security career um, a lot of IT security professionals really focus on technology so there's all these really cool tools out there and there's a ton of vendors and I think multiple multiple days like there's another tool or another vendor that's popping up that's going to come in and, and save you from something or another um, and then w- what tended to happen was um, the people in the process was were kind of overlooked because um, you know, people were always a problem, your end users are always the ones that will get you compromised um, and then the process, you know, that was kind of an afterthought. It was all about technology and closing all these gaps through technology, um, but the reality is that technology can't detect everything, it can't save you from everything and so it's really about looking at it holistically and this is where the physical side of security Um, Has done a really good job of this for a long time in terms of really leveraging people and processes because um, you know the reality is that if um, you know if you come home um, this afternoon and um, you know maybe sometime this evening you look outside and it's maybe late at night and you see that your your um, neighbor left their garage door open and somebody's sneaking around there you probably call the police to help um, you know, make sure your neighbor doesn't have something, stolen, um, And so that's really, the police can't be everywhere. Um, security can't be everywhere. And so you have to leverage the entire organization. That's where we've been really successful. Um, we just have a phenomenal group of associates, and when they see something that doesn't look right, whether it's either in the physical security space or on their computer, um, it's not behaving the way it should be, or they get an email that looks really kind of odd, um, or they clicked on something, and soon they realized ah, I shouldn't have done that. Um, they're really quick to let us know and so there's times where our associates catch things that our technology can't um, and so we're looking at different ways of how do we leverage our people better and how do we um, augment the technology with people or the people with technology how do we want to look at that so.
0: yes you are absolutely right I mean so security is no longer a government affair we all have to get involved and even in an enterprise you cannot depend on security only or, you know within a certain group everyone has to be responsible so we need to bring about that change in culture uh, that you know security is everyone's responsibility risk is everyone's responsibility so that uh, really helps and i always say that security is no longer a government affair it's an ngo affair means nations its government industries organizations academia here i'm looking at holistically about a nation and the same way, you know, when you look at enterprise, you know, holistically, everyone working in an enterprise, they all are responsible for security. So you are uh, right on that, uh, you know, mind frame that, you know, we have to change the culture and everyone has to be involved. And that's the only way to probably, you know, uh, achieve security in this uh, very complex digital age. So um, let me ask you this, uh, Brian, that enterprise security governance is a strategy for reducing the possibility and probability of assets owned in geospace and cyberspace from being stolen or damaged by acts in cyberspace. Do you think that as a result of the boundaries of the blurring enterprises due to the changes brought on by the digital global age, there needs to be a change in business and operating models of an enterprise?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, the way that business is conducted is changing and evolving really quickly, and so that needs to obviously businesses need to question how they do business, even with their current customers. But a lot of um, a lot of the technologies disrupting current business models, you need to take a step back and say, you know, is this business that I'm doing, or uh, the way that I'm doing it, is there ways to change this to stay competitive or disrupt the market? Um, so I think that that's a big piece of it, you know, and, and when you talk about the, you know, the blurring in the global space, one of the things that comes to mind, I know this isn't what you asked me exactly, but, you know, one of the biggest problems is, um, you know, as you look at your network, networks aren't very well-defined anymore. It used to be at very well-defined boundaries, and it was really easy to tell, But now with um, cell phones and um, different mobile devices and customers and vendors and so forth on your network, it's really hard to tell. Um, it goes back to, you know, trying to tell who is um, on a facility if they should be there or not. And so now you have people on your network that it's really tough to tell if they should be there or not. And so that's changing things and uh, really great how do you deal with that, but then are the ways you can leverage that to enhance your business rather than look at it as being a problem?
0: That's right, that's right. Uh, so security is about doing what's best to protect your idea, initiative, or entity in a digital global age. While enterprise information security architecture, the practice of applying a comprehensive and rigorous method for def, uh, describing the current or a future and behavior for an uh, organization, security processes, information security systems, Uh, is in practice so that they align with the organization's core goals and strategic direction. It relates more broadly to the security practices of business optimization in that it addresses business security architecture, performance management, and security process architecture, as well as not so much of the global competitive landscape and the strategic competitive threats in cyberspace, geospace, and space. Do you think the ongoing enterprise information security architecture suffices the strategic security needs? Because I see that, you know, mostly when you look at the security uh, approach of an organization, they focus mainly on, you know, like we were ta- you talked before that, you know, legal and compliance, uh, those kind of risks. But I nowhere do you see the integration of strategic risks. You know, with the security um, architecture. So, uh, do you think the ongoing enterprise information security architecture suffices the strategic security needs as seen across you know uh, enterprises uh, currently?
1: Well, I think that um, you know, when you look at architecture today, um, uh, I think the way people are thinking of it constantly evolving and changing Um, but I really think we're kind of at crossroads in terms of security where there's a lot of things that we're doing that don't work and we know they don't work but we don't know what else to do yet Um, so a great example are is passwords uh, usernames and passwords for instance that's um, an old model that really this day and age is kind of broken Um, another one I think of is a social security number that we use um, you know, with uh, the Social Security um, Administration, where that's, a, it's a number that's easily stolen and as soon as they have it, they have your identity. And, and technology's moved so far beyond that. Uh, but we're still clinging to these old ways because we're really not sure what to do next. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really interesting problems out there that go um, beyond the architecture piece of, and I think it you know, really it's going to evolve around um, identity and how we understand who and what is on our network, and we can quickly identify um, and reduce risk based off of probably a profile of what you're doing, as opposed to being 100% sure that it's you, which is what we think we can do today.
0: Yes, I. I hear you are saying that I hear that the organization enterprises do acknowledge, do you identify that these are the challenges, and these are the things that they would like to change, but they don't know where to go or what to do at this point, because there is no clear uh, information available that what would be a better technology, what would be a better process to do this, you know, so that you know you can minimize the risk, or you know, mitigate the risk. So, uh, what are the changes that you think would be coming? To manage uh, the challenges that you just talked about?
1: Well I think what's going to happen is that um, it's going to go back to probably along the lines of your idea question where um, a lot of people are thinking through this and a lot of people are are, um, kind of coming up with different ideas of how um, we rethink the way that we um, do things and so identity is one that comes to mind for me because it's just such a broken model right now, and there's just got to be other ways of doing it. And so I think, um, you know, the things that we think about are, um, are really applying identity principles based off of risk again. And so today, um, you know, if you could be somebody that has, um, you know, maybe as a developer and you have all of the source code for your company's products, and you um, just I, all the IP is available to you, and we give you a username and password just like we would for um, somebody that perhaps is um, just in call center and they're just doing, taking calls and really don't have access to much um, and so that's that's probably not the best way to do that and so really thinking about um, you know the folks that we have maybe they are in a group nine to five we Make sure that um, you can only access the computer between the hours and five if they're in the building, um, because we don't want work, them working from home. They never should be working from home, so that should raise a red flag. And then make it really easy for them to log in, because the, at the end of the day, they don't have access to much that's, um, that we really or should be overly concerned about. Whereas if we have the um, domain admin, we may add. Multi factor authentication in different ways um, and look at doing that um, transparently. So, obviously, you know, you give a card reader, maybe, and they got kind of to put a card in and they enter a pen and they have to use a username and password. So, that's a couple of factors. But then behind the scenes, looking at the behavior of the users and constantly kind of evaluating are they doing the things that we would expect this person to do? And if they're not, um, and if something odd is happening, then you focus on the exceptions and uh, on everybody.
0: So what I hear is that you are focusing on behavior analysis uh, to be able to identify the threats uh, across the enterprise. So let me me ask you this uh, very simple question. Uh, In general, and as also very specific to your efforts uh, in your organization, what are the goals of enterprise security? that you to um, know?
1: Yeah, so I would say that um, our goals are, are really pretty straightforward is, um, the first one is to identify all the risks that we feel that, um, one is, is identifiable, right? So there's always gonna be some sort of risk that you don't know about, you can, you can identify. Um, and then taking a, a business, in terms of working really close with our business what's the risk that they're willing to accept and what risk are they not willing to accept and then focus on the risk that they're not willing to accept now layering in some sort of protection for the risk we can't identify so the um, kind of the unknown unknowns um, you know when you think about it that way um, and then the known unknowns so you focus on some of those things and how do we do some different activities or use perhaps technology or whatever to kind of understand how we um, mitigate that type of risk as well. So that's where I think we go back to our associates in a really great awareness program. Um, And so they see something that doesn't make sense. We may not know what's doing that, but they know it's not right. So then we can look at that, um, really focusing on exceptions and oddities, I guess, um, and really trying to understand that.
0: Sure, when you, when you say that you are, you know, making an effort to identify those risks, who is involved in the risk identification? Is it everyone, bottom-up, or is there a specific group that is responsible for risk identification?
1: Well, we, as the enterprise, fire risk, um, we determine, you know, what we feel is the, um, the most notable risk um, and then we obviously focus a lot of resources on that. Um, but when we look at how we mitigate a lot of this, from my standpoint, is I leverage everything. and so we look at um, using um, different techniques to raise awareness to make sure that uh, people are asking questions, that they're they're paying attention to what's happening, and they know who to call if something odd is happening. Um, but then the other thing that we that is um, really shifted our workforce a little bit in that have um, people that are dedicated to looking at our network and trying to find oddities from a, tech, a technical standpoint. So they, they know what a normal packet looks like and they know what a non-packet looks like. And um, hackers know how to make um, their packets undetectable to our systems, but if you have somebody looking at it, even if they don't know what it's doing, they know it's done, you get a chance to do something about it.
0: Right. So what are your thoughts on the security framework that is used by the enterprises? What kind of security framework you are using?
1: Um, We mostly use NIST. Um, I think that when I look at the security frameworks, I think, um, you know, they have, uh, obviously they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, I think it's important is that you use that as a guideline. Um, and you don't get too tied into some of the frameworks. I think um, when I look at, uh, you know, the kill chain is one that um, I think about, or, you know, when they talk about uh, virus and that's useful for understanding it. It's not necessarily if you, I think if you blindly apply those concepts, you're probably going to run into trouble. It oversimplifies things on purpose. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. So, the, according to you, the NIST framework is it effective for your organization in the security goals that you have?
1: Yeah, I think it's mostly effective for us. Um, the, what we use it, is, yeah, I think maybe we're using it backwards. So, we've identified our risk, um, and then we've used NIST to kind of help organize our activities and make sure that we didn't miss something, um, and to, as a way to um, also organize our thoughts and our, our approach, um, But we also don't talk about this every day. We don't, um, there's not, uh, you know, lists of frameworks and books on how to do all this um, everywhere. Because it's really, at the end of the day, we're focused mostly on risk. I know. Um, once we
0: identify um, <laughs> Yeah, I think your voice is breaking up, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, when you say that you are using NIST framework, uh, how are you identifying the independent risk or the internal risk that your organization, you know, faces in the cyberspace and the interdependent risk? Because, you know, there are two different aspects. Each each entity, each organization, each enterprise, they are facing their own internal risk in the cyberspace or cybersecurity risk that they need to manage on their own. But there are also those risks which even though they identify, they won't be able to manage on their own because other parties are involved in that. In other parties are also responsible for those risks. So how do you manage those interdependent risks you know uh, facing your organization
1: um so what we do is you know when we talk about a lot of those interdependencies would be between us and our customers or us and our vendors and so um we do things like um, hire outside auditors and uh, pen testers to look at those connections and, and help us understand the risk that's associated with that um and how we uh, approach that and then we're close associations with um, the FBI, for instance, to really understand the threats and emerging things that they're seeing so we can see how that applies to us. Um, if there's concerns there, um, working with security vendors that will help us understand um, you know, where the trends that they're seeing across their much broader networks um, and larger security footprints. And so we kind of we bring all that together and we try to understand, um, you know, where we see the most um, you know, vulnerability and then we apply it to um, what's the information we most care about. And so, um, again, it's trying to say here's here's what we really care about. Here's the, you know, the threat to that and what are the vulnerabilities we can close around that.
0: Um. It's generally said that the security is often the last thing to be considered in business information system design and often gets relegated to the status of a few add-on fixes when all other design decisions have been already frozen. And at that point, it leads to increased complexity and cost of support. If security is to be effective in achieving business goals, then such approach is a cause of concern. What are your thoughts, and what is your observation in your organization? Is that you know the security is the last thing to be considered, or is it you know something that is considered right at the beginning when you know the business information system is being designed?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think that goes back to our awareness program. So that when we talk about making users aware. It's not just business users; it's also the IT users. Yes. And so we've been really successful at, um, you know, there's always going to be a meeting that somebody's talking about something, and there's no security person present. Um, but we've been really successful on having somebody in the room say, "Hey, wait a second. This sounds like a, an area where IT security folks need to get some more people involved." Um, and so we generally had get pulled into all of those conversations. The other advantage I have is that um, my leadership is very supportive of what we're doing. And so there's this, I think, this knowledge of um, the groups of people that do these kind of things that at the end of the day I have veto power over um, work, if it's going to be. Uh, done insecurely or put us in jeopardy um, to make them go back and fix it. And so they don't want to go back and fix it. So they have that motivation to do it right the first time.
0: Now, like you say, that you are making a lot of effort in creating awareness about the security uh, programs or, you know, about the security controls and different risks. Uh, But while most organizations across nations are acknowledging the need for security, they lack the necessary knowledge needed to build effective security program what are organizations doing to acquire knowledge I mean you are trying to uh, create awareness about a lot of different you know aspects of security but how do you acquire knowledge how do you get that you know information about the ongoing you know ever-changing fundamentals of the security that are going on right now
1: well some of that's um, so that knowledge um, is uh, really thinking about where work where, where's the best place to do something. Um so there's work that we for a security operations center, for instance, um, is not something that we could ever have an effective um security operations center. Um, because it would be very expensive, and even if I could hire some really great people in there, they don't have the visibility that um, a vendor would perhaps. So that's the kind of work that um, my view is better for a vendor to do because they have a very broad perspective and um, you can see um, much more of the threat landscape. Um, so from that standpoint, that's where I look. At their knowledge is very really helpful to us um, internally. I look at it as there's a lot of jobs that um, it's really hard to hire somebody that has all the experience that you want um, because they're either expensive, they're rare. Or um, some cases, they may just not exist, and so that's the standpoint where we look at it and we say, um, or else their experience just doesn't apply to our network for whatever reason, and and so you're looking at um, a different perspective. So one is I think um, look at security people um, are really great when you get them from other parts of IT. So someone that comes with a really great networking background or a really great database or fill in the blank background and you train them and teach them to be a security person um, tend to be really really good um, or you just hire somebody that doesn't have all the experience that you want and you you understand that you're going to have to train them um, which I view is an advantage because then you can you can get what you want um, and train them into what you need as opposed to um, hiring somebody that's maybe not quite what you need and they're more expensive
0: yes yes uh now there are concerns that it initiatives are being adopted without the proper network security oversight or controls in place what are your thoughts i mean is that something that you have observed in your enterprise organization
1: well i think that's always a danger because um, you know technology has become so consumer consumerized that everybody has technology they have access to it and they all want to do something with it to improve the business so there's a constant um danger of um, somebody in the business doing something with all the right intentions and then boom there's something happening that you didn't know about and so what we try to do is um one is really work with the business to get them the capabilities that they need um and the other one is is that um we, we don't tell them no just because it's not an IT initiative. Um, instead, we try to work with them to say, okay, um, if this is filling a gap that you have, um, let's talk about that. I mean, let's talk about how we do this the right way as opposed to just doing it. Um, and so we really try to have that partnership make sure that um, you know, so, some of it's just how you brand yourself internally. And so we don't want security to be the no organization all the time a lot of times in the past that's what it was. Instead, it's a really challenge my team to say, think about what they're trying to do, and think about how they're trying to do it, and understand that they have a need and how do we get them what they want as opposed to just tell them no.
0: Right, right. Now, there are concerns that organizations say they are challenged by too many overlapping controls and processes that tend to cause trouble. Is that your observation? That there are too many overlapping security controls
1: I think that's definitely a danger. And so, one of our um, expressed um, objectives, and and one of the things that I've really pushed my team to consider is how do we make security transparent for the users? So, how can I make you more secure? Um, But from the user interaction standpoint, you feel like almost like there's no security, or you're even less secure because I'm making you jump through hoops to do something that um, really Shouldn't be a big deal. So, again, it's going back to looking at what information is important. Um, how do you control that? And if it's really not that important, um, why are we locking it down and segmenting and compartmentalizing it like we have in the past? Because your role says you're doing X, but half the time you need to get the Y, but our systems don't let you get the Y. So, you created all these workarounds that make it look like something's happening. In reality, you're just trying to do your job. Why not just give you access to both? And so, how do we look at things differently that way?
0: Right, right. Now, there are concerns that organizations say that the security staff is too busy responding to alerts, events, and they don't have enough time with training, planning, or network security strategies. Uh, mm-hmm. This points to the global cybersecurity skill shortage. Probably, so what are your thoughts in that? Do you face those challenges?
1: Um, yeah, I mean that's definitely a concern. Is how do you focus on um, the alerts that are real alerts and ignore the ones that yes. <laughs> are a big deal? Um, and so that's, you know, I think that's a constant challenge. Um, and part of that is that uh, kind of going back to my last example is if I'm trying to keep people from getting to information that they need to do get to to do their jobs, and so they're creating alerts, you know, that something's happening, and I'm. Yes. you create all this noise um, <laughs> because you try to over control information right. um so uh, rethinking that that's one of the ways you can i think reduce some of that noise um and then just, a lot of it's just a lot of work continually tuning what you're looking at and making sure you're focused on the really important things and then not wasting time on the things that
0: are that's, right. Right. that's right now there are also concerns that organizations are challenged by security policies that are too complex and can't be enforced with the current network security processes and controls. Everyone talks about contextual security where network access is governed by user identity, um, devices, location, time of day, et cetera. So the problem is that this requires central management, uh, data exchange, and technology integration. Is that something that organizations are having that, you know, successfully? uh within their you know initiatives that they have successful integration technology integration and data exchange and all. what are your thoughts
1: well i mean i think i think they're right i mean policy is really tough um, to write it well um, and cover all the that you're trying to cover what we try to do is change our policies around information security to be information-centric instead of device location or person-centric um in the past, you'll see a lot of things written where the policy will talk about cell phones differently than tablets and differently than a laptop, and um, and it's really confusing. Um, instead, what we've tried to do is shift it to say, hey, you as one of our employees are an important piece of safeguarding our information, so regardless of where that information is, um, you have certain responsibilities, and we're going to ask you to help us safeguard that. Um, and focus on um, where it's at and what it happens to be doing.
0: Right, right, right. Now, um, there are malware continues to increase in sophistication and has more avenues for execution. While work-at-home flexibility increases critical security issues, how do you manage the risk of malware with the on-site, off-site security tools, technologies, and processes uh, complexities?
1: Well, I think um, that's an area where, um, you know, looking at uh, newer technology and existing technology and leveraging VPNs, for instance, um, and doing uh, different techniques to try to keep um, your systems on your system, even if they happen to be remote. Um, Because, obviously, we have a lot more safeguards and a lot more protection to do on your home network. Um. So, how do we do things to allow you to work easily um, from home but leverage our system security capabilities? And so, VPN is a great example of that and, and applying or I should say implementing VPN in a way that's easy to use as a user and that doesn't degrade your performance so badly that you don't want to
0: use it. Mm, right, right. So, the battle between company-owned devices and, and user-owned devices. Will likely continue for years to come how do organizations or employers across industries protect their sensitive data on users personal devices do you have a strategy by which you protect your organization's uh, sensitive information or you know confidential information on the use of personal de- devices
1: mm-hmm. so that's another area where we look at um, the personal device and so one of our uh, I guess our expressed goals is that we want to make sure that we keep Schneider's information on your device protected, but we also want to make sure that we don't um, have access to anything but our own data on your device. So we don't want anything to do with your data. Um, as an associate, we want you to keep your privacy. We want to keep our information safe. And so we look at things um, like containerization and encryption to do that so that um, when you're no longer with the company or um, you lose your phone, for instance, that the Schneider information is not accessible. And then we can remove just that information and not touch any of your information.
0: Right, right. So probably this is the last question, Brian, is that if you have to change something, what would you change about how the enterprise security is uh, managed right now, you know, uh, performed across organizations?
1: Well, I mean, for me, the biggest thing that I've been advocating, I think um, a lot of people are changing their mindsets about it too, is just leveraging the people in the process side of things um, and having a very holistic approach that uses technology in concert with people in process, not to replace people or process or not to, um, with this idea that it's going to solve all of our problems. And so, really, looking at this very as a very holistic problem, it's a it's a system problem. I, I don't mean anti systems; this is you know people, processes, technology,
0: yes. inter- overall overall system,
1: right? And each one of them are very important. And I think if you focus on any one of those too much, then obviously you'll you'll fail to solve the problem. Um, and so, you know, when I look at some of the big breaches that have happened, it's generally. It hasn't really been a technology thing. It's been a process piece that somehow failed, um, which is a really tough problem, right? I mean, enterprises are huge. There's lots of people, there's lots of interaction. Um, so it's always going to be a challenge. That's why it's even more important to focus on that. So you have a process that allows you to leverage people and technology and have a fighting chance at it. Um, and so, really, there's one thing I, th- I would change is to continue that mindset of how do we leverage all of our corporate and enterprise assets to solve this problem.
0: No, I think uh, that is the heart of the problem, you know, Brian, that uh, you just mentioned, that we have a habit of, you know, looking at silos or, you know, operating as silos. Whereas, we know, we need to have a very integrated approach r- right now. And irrespective of whether it's a human body or an enterprise or a nation, or an industry, or a global community. There are so many different components. I mean, that's why I, you know, have been talking uh, very aggressively about how to, you know, look at nations' risk or country risk, you know, based uh, on each of its component, like NGIO, a nation's is government, industries, organizations, academia. Because we are, there are so many interdependencies, so many interconnectedness, so many, uh, you know. Uh, interrelationships that we have to address that as a whole unit and that's you know the only way to probably manage risk effectively so your uh, you know thoughts and uh, focus is at the right place and uh, i hope that uh, in your initiatives going forward you are able to bring that holistic approach integrated approach so that you know you can identify evaluate and manage all the enterprise risk effectively and uh, we wish you really uh, the best wishes so that you are successful in your efforts and i think that's it for today friends uh, uh, this is an enterprise risk uh, enterprise security enterprise risk management is such a uh, fascinating topic and there's so many changes happening in that that probably we can talk for hours but uh, for today we are going to conclude here and uh, brian we really appreciate you joining us and you know uh, sharing your thoughts on enterprise security and uh, how to make uh, this, uh, bring the security to every enterprise in a more effective, more efficient manner. And we thank you for that. So that's it for today, friends. Although we can uh, talk about this, uh, like I said, for hours and probably you know, um, for a very long time, we, have, we are concluding our session here. For more information on the risk roundup and who is going to be on the next uh, risk roundup, please go to riskgroupllc.com. And thank you, everyone, and please join us again.